Hey, good morning, everyone. It's Pastor Rob. So great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Before I was blessed to be a, a pastor in a church here, teaching people about Jesus, I used to teach people how to do some other things. In fact, what I did before becoming a pastor was I was a restaurant manager. I, I worked my way up as a server and a, a bartender and then a manager and then multi-unit and then did it for many, many years and really loved a lot of what I did. Well, one of the things I had the responsibility of doing was teaching people, teaching new people how to work in whatever role they were stepping into, whether that be uh, washing dishes or waiting tables or cooking or cleaning or making coffee or whatever it is, managing, leading others. My job was to teach, to teach and to train. And at the end of the day, I think that's what most leaders try to do. They try to teach and train others to come alongside them and add value to what they're trying to build. And one of the things I noted over the years is, is that I used to have a real problem training people, teaching them how to do certain jobs. I would just get out a book or a manual and say, okay, read this, read this with me. This is what you need to do. This is how you do the job. And then I, I, I might show them how to do the job, although sometimes admittedly I did not. And then I would say, okay, go. And then come back later and find out they were not doing the job well. And I used to beat my head against the wall and say, why aren't these people getting it? Why aren't they understanding what I'm trying to tell them or trying to teach them? And a friend of mine, now a friend came along one time and he says, look, it's not really their fault. <laughs> it's yours. It's your fault. It's your fault because you don't understand what it takes to teach people or you don't understand how people really learn. And so that was the first time I was introduced to a process called tell, show, do, review. Sounds simple enough, right? The idea was you, yes, you go through the, the process of telling people what the expectations are, what they're, they're going to be doing, what, what a typical work day should look like, what kind of jobs they'll be doing. Yes, you tell them those things. Then you have them come alongside you as you show them how to do it. They walk with you, they work with you, they watch you do things. But where I was dropping the ball was really the next one, the do part. It was tell, show, do, review. It's the doing part. The doing part that really makes things come together, where when you're training somebody, where they finally begin to understand why certain things are done in a certain way and how doing it differently or how changing it can affect the outcome you are trying to achieve. The idea behind review, that final step, was that I was next to them while they were doing it. And then we would immediately stop and kind of walk through, okay, here's what you did amazingly well, and here's what maybe you need to work on or consider doing differently. The idea was to take every opportunity to let them dig in deep, to, to do it themselves, and then to go over those, those opportunities to grow and get better, to essentially fix mistakes before they became habits and to help good habits be built up and repeatable, right? And I, I think that's the case for most all of us. For really frank, I think most of the time, you know, we can understand intellectually what it means to do a job, right? We can have read all the books and all the manuals, but at the end of the day, until we actually do it, 
a lot of it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't all come together until we spend some time actually doing the job. And I really do also think that's sometimes, in fact, often, that's the case with our faith. We may make a commitment to follow Christ. We talked about that last week. But until we actually do the business of following Jesus, where we live it out every day, we have trouble understanding why things are what they are, and we have trouble seeing how slight changes in the way we do something might affect our outcome. It might affect how close we become to Jesus. It might affect how how much we actually change or transform. It might affect how we see people around us and how we see the world and how we understand eternity. And there are so many of us as followers of Christ that even days, weeks, months, years, decades into our faith still don't understand fully what it means to follow Jesus. And to some extent, totally get that. This is an ongoing journey. We're trying to understand a God that is really, at the end of the day, beyond our understanding. We have to pursue him. We're going to always be learning more and more and growing more if we're actually trying to understand Jesus and trying to pursue him and be like him. And because that is our call is to be Christ-like in our character as we're transforming and becoming like more and more like him as we grow in our faith. But the truth is, we can gain some level of understanding, some level of peace that comes with understanding if we are willing to do the work that he's calling us to do. Unfortunately, as we're going through in our series right now, it comes down to this question, are we willing? In the first week, we talked about are we willing to let our will take a backseat to God's will, understanding that sometimes uh, we become a stiff-necked people, we get in our own way, uh, and we don't listen to what God has called us to do. We choose to be obstinate. We choose not to let our will take a backseat to his, because if he really is Lord, then aren't we supposed to follow his orders, right? And last week here online, we talked about really maybe what we should have started with. Are we willing to accept the gospel? Are we willing to accept that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus has called us to him, and that in doing so, he has offered us eternal life? Are we willing to make that commitment? This week, we're going to talk about are we willing to do the job if we have chosen to follow Christ, are we doing the job that Jesus has asked us to do? As those who are headed to heaven, are we willing to live out something he calls, or we call, the Great Commission? Because when we're unwilling to do that, the truth is we miss out on the doing part of learning what it means to follow Jesus. And so we're left with a ton of unanswered questions. Because just like anything else we're learning, any other job or any other subject, it's the doing that really makes it all come together and really helps us understand how it all works. So we're going to take a look at something we call the Great Commission. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. 
We're going to read along, and then it's just a few verses here, and then we're going to break down really what are some of Jesus' final words to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. As he tells them, their final marching orders, you are my people. This is what I want you to do. Okay? He says this. He says, and I'm going to read out of the Christian Standard Bible. He says, Jesus came near them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded to you. And remember, I am with you always till the end of the age. It's interesting to me that Jesus begins this section saying, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. He says, look, I'm in charge here. <laughs> he makes it abundantly clear that he's in charge not just of our lives as followers of Christ, but he's in charge of the universe at the end of the day. That's a pretty bold claim for sure, but that's the claim he makes. He says, I've got my hands in all this. I know what's going on and I'm in charge. I determine what happens when it happens and how it goes. And then he says, I'm telling you, you as my people, do what I'm telling you to do, right? And it's interesting as we, as we go through the scripture, I think you'll see where Jesus says, look, do what I told you to do, right? He told them. He showed them as they walked with him for three, three and a half years. They actually did the do part where he would send them out in pairs and then they would come back and discuss it. What had been successful, what had worked, what had not. Jesus actually trained his disciples with tell, show, do, review, and we're seeing it come to life here as he's telling them to repeat it. He's telling them to do the same. So we're going to highlight a couple of words in here that I think Christians typically grab and latch onto and kind of try to highlight those and try to help our understanding of what it means to really live out the Great Commission. Jesus says, I'm in charge here and I'm telling you to go. And that's our first word. He says, go. Often we as followers of Christ think when we think go, we think of missionaries. We think of people that uh, literally go across the world, that sell everything or quit their jobs and change their lives or, or do something what most of us would think is a little radical, to kind of go out and reach all the nations of the world, all the people groups of the world. And to be sure, going does mean that. That's part of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And the need is great to do that. David Platt says that 7,000 people groups currently have not heard the gospel. He's a, a theologian and a pastor uh, and a great read if you want to read his book, Radical. It's a great book. But he talks about the fact there are over 7,000 people groups that still have not heard who Jesus is, have not heard the gospel. And to an extent, Go means that. We have a responsibility, as Jesus said, to go to all nations and, and spread knowledge of who I am to everyone in the world, literally everyone in the world. But here, the phrasing, the phrasing of the word go, it's a, it's a progressive participle. It's better understood as, as you are going. So as you are going, to the nations of the world, if you happen to travel to the nations of the world, as you are going to work every day, as you are going across country on vacation, as you are going home or to the park, as you are going through your daily life, 
wherever that may take you, we have a responsibility to spread the gospel. Now, when, when we talk about what it means to go and, and make disciples, go and tell others about Jesus, that's, that's not mean, uh, that does not mean we wear a big t-shirt that says, y'all, y'all need Jesus. And by the way, I've seen that. It's a meme. It's around where, you know, that's, y'all need some Jesus because you're a hot mess. That's not what it is. It's not about standing on street corners and screaming at people as we're going and walking by people and saying, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, and so do you too. That's not what it is. Going means understanding that as we're going through life, we have a responsibility as we figure things out with Jesus to help others do the same. If anybody's ever if, you, if you've ever been in a position where you've had to ask somebody for directions, it would be <laughs> like, let's say directions to the food pantry. Let's say you're in dire need of food and, and somebody says, hey, do you have directions to the food pantry? Do you know where the closest food pantry is? It's not real helpful if you say to them, yeah, it's over, uh, it's over that way somewhere. You can find it over there. I found it. I saw it the other day. I've been there. Um, if you just head that way, you can find it. That doesn't work. You have to give details. You have to give landmarks and directions depending on who you're talking to. I'm more of a landmark person, right? You could tell me north, south, east, west all day long, and I'm probably not going to be able to find where you're trying to help help me get to. I'm going to need landmarks. Turn left at the Casey's General Store or turn right at Dunkin' Donuts or, right, those are the kind of directions I need. But either way, you need to be giving details if you want the directions to get people where they need to go. It's not simply saying, you need to go here. You need to go find Jesus. It's, it's saying, look, this is how I found Jesus. See, but by telling, and, and, and this is how you can find him too. See, by telling others of Jesus as we are going, we are demonstrating something. We're demonstrating the reality that we needed directions to find him to find salvation in Christ. It didn't just happen out of nowhere. And some of us still need directions sometimes. But also, it's part of our responsibility to help others do the same. As we are going, we have an obligation to help others get there too. The next phrase is make disciples. Make disciples. I think there's so much of a focus within the church sometimes of you know, just helping people come to know Jesus, to find salvation, that thing we talked about last week, just coming to, to take him on as our savior and saying, yes, you've made it. You're, you're gonna go to heaven. It's secured for you. Thank, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's kind of this, this moment of, whew, we have this kind of whew, moment, we got him there. When the truth is coming to follow Jesus is just the beginning which, by the way, is super cool because if the journey ended at that, what do you do with the rest of your life? What, is the, what does the gospel mean? How do you, how do you live it out, right? It, there's, there is this concept of growing, learning from Jesus. In fact, the term disciple just means that. It just means a learner, a learner. And, and I think it's important here for us to say this. This isn't just about people who don't know Jesus yet, understanding that they need to go and make disciples. The truth is, as Jesus in this section of text was talking, he was talking to his disciples about making more 
disciples. In other words, he was talking to people who already knew how to do it, already knew what was required because he had told them, showed them, done it with them, and reviewed it with them, right? He had done all of those things to teach them what it meant to be disciples. And so I want to highlight that because the truth is, if if we're going to be called to make disciples, to help other people learn about Jesus and to grow in Jesus, the truth is we have to first be disciples ourselves. We have to first be learners. We have to first be people who are constantly growing and striving and pursuing Christ. We can't teach what we don't know. And if you've ever had somebody try to teach you how to cook who's never cooked a day in their life, good luck, right? Good luck. I have certainly tried to fake it till I made it at times in my previous world in the restaurant business. Oh yeah, I know how to cook steaks all day long, but come on. It shows up pretty quick, right? If you're trying to teach somebody to do something you don't know how to do. By the way, I do know how to cook a steak, but at one point, I didn't, and it required somebody to teach me how to do it so that I could teach the next person. I think being a disciple, I think, comes in three parts. We're going to break it down to three parts just to keep it simple. Uh, The first is we have a responsibility as a disciple to learn God's truth. Reading, chewing on, and being challenged by Scripture day in and day out. Scripture isn't something you just read once. You read through the Bible once and you get it all. You got it. There's way more detail, more layers than you, than any one of us could possibly understand in a lifetime. In fact, people together as groups have been trying to understand the Bible as, as the Word of God over the last, for thousands of years. And we are still trying to come to an understanding. Part of that is because With every generation, I really do believe we kind of have to relearn some things for ourselves before we begin to believe it and live it out. We have to go through it. We have to do it ourselves. It's just kind of how human beings are. But we have to be lifelong learners of Scripture. We have to be lifelong pursuers of Jesus through His Word and understanding what He is trying to say to us and about Himself into the world. It's not a matter of reading it once, you got it all and you never read it again. And the truth is, when we stop doing that, if we stop making our scripture, our time in the word of God, a central part of our life, we begin to return to depending on our own understanding. And we get a little lost. We get a little off track again. And at the end of the day, we know that doesn't take us where we need to be. It's not a good thing. The second thing is to put God's truth into action. So we're learning about it first, right? We're learning what it means to follow God through his word. But then you got to actually put it to work. There's a common misconception out there that following Jesus is about being a good person or a bad person. And I'm not so sure that's the case. I do think if you're following the God of love, the God of all things good, eventually, as you're trying to learn to pursue him and be transformed by his Holy Spirit you are going to become, generally, a little bit better of a person. Never perfect, because all of us are a mess, right? We all make mistakes. We all fall short. We talked about that last week. It's an ongoing challenge, even after we found Jesus. But it's really not about that. What it's really about is a question of humility or pride. Putting God's truth into action demonstrates that we don't know everything we, th- we would like to think we know.
It shows that we are willing to learn, that we are willing to grow, that we trust that if God says this is going to work out for his glory and for the good of all those who follow him, then we need to be willing to do what he's asking us to do. And here today, this topic, it means the Great Commission. Sometimes we run away from that. We don't do it because we're afraid of it. We're afraid of how people are going to react or they're going to respond or they're going to look at us like we've got three heads or they're going to scream at us and say, stop pushing your religion on me. I'm not pushing my religion on anybody. Um, I view it this way. If I saw a small child running across the road on a busy street and about to get hit by a car, I would do something to stop that, wouldn't I? I would want to stop. It might be screaming, it might be yelling, it might be running out there and trying to stop traffic, whatever it is. I'm going to do something to try to keep that from happening. Why? Because I care. Because deep down inside, I think we would all do that because we understand that every human life is valuable and because we care. It's the same thing with the gospel. If I'm telling you who Jesus is, it's not because I'm trying to push it on you. It's not because I'm trying to make you feel horrible. It's because I care. And it's because I believe the gospel is the greatest thing I could ever possibly tell you. So why wouldn't I? Right? Because it will save your eternity. The third one in making disciples is doing as the teacher does and inviting others to do the same. You know, Jesus said repeatedly this phrase, follow me, go where I go, do what I do, speak as I speak, treat people as I've treated them, right? Follow me. And he was always inviting his, the apostles, the 12 that were closest to him, as well as the other major group of disciples. Some think there were about 120, give or take, uh, that would follow him and go with him wherever it is he was going. And then even the others that he would meet on the side of a hill or the side of the road, he would invite them to follow him, to go where he was going. Part of being a disciple and making disciples means recognizing that we need to do as the teacher did and invite others along. Now, it's ultimately their call, their choice as to whether or not they want to do it. But at the end of the day, our responsibility as followers of Christ is to invite and to, and to ask them to join us because we love them. The next word I want to look at is baptize. We touched on it a little bit last week, but baptize, literally the Greek word means dip repeatedly or to immerse or submerge. Uh, it's to cleanse by dipping or make clean or bathe. And the reason I believe Jesus has us, calls us to do that, to baptize, to be baptized, is not because the act itself is the defining thing because at the end of the day if i'm if you're if you're being immersed in a swimming pool or a lake or a river or a bathtub or a horse trough because been there done that whatever it is it's not the water itself that suddenly makes everything okay that makes things make sense this is really an indicator that we are willing to do something at the end of the day at the end of the day that is very simple this very simple physical action that publicly demonstrates our commitment to following him. You know, even Jesus himself chose to be baptized by John the Baptist before an entire crowd to see. 
He was willing to show people what it meant and how important it was. And then he showed his did it for his disciples and showed them how to do it for others. We could argue all day about why. Why would you get baptized? But at the end of the day, if every person in the New Testament does it when they come to know Jesus, and Jesus demonstrated it himself, and Jesus commanded it here, I feel like there shouldn't be a question, right? It comes down to, am I willing? Am I willing to do as you have asked? And at the end of the day, being baptized is a pretty simple commitment to make all things considered, especially in light of him asking us to share and make disciples. Those things are far more complicated. And if we can't get to that part, we're going to struggle with the ones after. He then says to teach, to teach them to observe the things that I have taught you. Teach them is to be a teacher, to instruct, to instill an understanding or or what it, of doctrine, which is just a fancy word for saying, what did God say and what is he expecting of us, right? What do we believe? So he teaches us to observe. That word observe here means to attend to carefully, to stay in a state in which we are under Christ's direction. And that can be daunting, that can really, really be daunting, especially if you're new to following Jesus. But again, even for some who haven't followed Jesus, who have, or I'm sorry, who have followed Jesus for a very, very long time, it can still be difficult. Because again, we're chasing this God that is way bigger than our tiny brains can understand. And so there's this fear that comes with, well, what if I teach something wrong? Or, or what if I don't know how to answer a question that's being asked? Or, or, or what if, that what if question, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What I believe is that God is, doesn't call us to know everything because we can't. Now, the truth is, if we are chasing Jesus, if we are disciples ourselves, if we are learners and growers in Christ throughout our lives, we will be able to answer more and more questions as we go through life. But it, the truth is, Jesus doesn't call us to teach everything and not to know everything. He calls us to teach what we know right now. To teach and to learn along the way and to let God handle the rest. That's really what the Great Commission is about. It's about passing on what we already know. It's about telling the greatest story to ever be told. And it's about helping others find life where there was death. Because ultimately, that's what this is about. That's what the gospel is about. And that's what the Great Commission is for. Jesus came and died on a cross and was resurrected to life on the third day so that we could be resurrected too. Those who follow him can be resurrected too. And that's what he wants for the world. And the cool part is, he lets us get to be a part of doing that work. The only question is, are we willing to do it? He's asking, and he expects an answer. And by the way, saying yes is probably the greatest 
yes I've ever said. And don't tell my wife that because she would say, yeah, I do to being married. Should have been. But the truth is, it's the greatest thing I could have ever said yes to. Teaching others about him because I've learned more about him and myself and about our God. And I invite you to do the same. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he grant you favor and give you peace. God bless.